0: welcome to hoosier ag this week i'm farm broadcaster eric pfeiffer from hoosier ag today ready to take all the top news and information impacting indiana farmers and agribusinesses and share it with you over the next 30 minutes or so helping me do that today will be andy eubank cj miller sabrina Halverson, and our chief meteorologist ryan martin Who has a cool and unsettled weather pattern for the weekend he'll share those details coming up and also grain market analysis coming up in a little over five minutes so stick around for that in the news we have bad news for farmers who hire h2a workers and for dairy producers seeking access to the canadian market through usmca is there any truth to the rumor that Bayer is splitting off its crop science division we'll have an answer for that and it's never too early to start thinking about weed control for next year Let's start today's show in Central America, where soybean exports from the U.S. are getting held up. The Mississippi River isn't the only passageway for soybean exports experiencing difficulties this year due to drought conditions. The Panama Canal is in a similar situation.
1: Each year, about 600 million bushels of U.S. soybeans utilize the canal on its journey to customers in Asia.
0: Mike Steenhook is the executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. He says the Panama Canal is a critical link in our supply
1: chain. And unfortunately, they're experiencing drought conditions which is inhibiting the operation of the canal. The canal is, because it uses locks, it has to have fresh water from the high elevation to make the locks operate. And so the fact that they have lower water at their high elevation reservoir is limiting their water depth that they're permitting for their ships for each passage, but even more consequently, they are limiting the number of transits per day, and that's causing some buildup and some queues to amass.
0: Barges continue to move slowly through the Panama Canal and down the Mississippi River. Steenhook says they're light loading each one, about 25 percent.
1: So you look at a 55,000 bushels in a single barge, and then 25 percent of that—that's a that's a pretty significant uh, downshift on the capacity, and then also limiting the number of barges you can attach together because not only is the channel less deep, it's actually more narrow. So you can't get as many barges together. And that's what really drives the economics of barge transportation, those two things. So, you know, it it clearly is having a a detrimental impact on our exports. We'll have more on this in the coming weeks because in the coming weeks, I'll be
0: joining the Indiana Soybean Alliance on a visit to the Panama Canal to see firsthand the issues there and report on the impact the drought is having on soybean exports. Off the top, I told you about bad news for dairy producers. Well, here it is. The U.S. lost its challenge against Canadian dairy trade practices through a USMCA dispute panel last week. Sabrina Hoverson reports now on potential next steps.
2: U.S. dairy organizations, along with elected officials and ag leaders, are expressing disappointment over Friday's decision by the USMCA dispute panel in a challenge against Canada's dairy trade quotas. The U.S. charged that the quotas don't line up with the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Last year, a USMCA panel ruled with the U.S. However, Executive Vice President for Policy Development and Strategy for the National Milk Producers Federation and the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Jaime Castaneda, says that case did not solve the problem.
3: The problem was that the first case didn't go far enough to basically argue that Canada had to actually truly open their market and allow for a number of different players in Canada to be able to actually input, like retailers, food distributors, restaurants, uh, pizza chains, and so on.
2: He says those users should have automatically been included, but since they were not specifically named, Canada excluded them, and that's what the U.S. challenged this year. Castaneda says despite this year's decision going to Canada, there may be other steps the U.S. can take.
3: Well, there is, there is a, a, a number of different options. And I would say that I actually not, I'm not in, in the position right now because it, it will be something that will require a lot of conversations with the US government and, and lawyers and so on so and members of Congress uh, to, to determine what, what the next steps are. But I, I can assure you that um, as soon as actually we know something we can we can share with you and your audience, Uh, But we're going to be talking closely with the government.
2: I'm Sabrina Halverson.
3: All right,
0: Sabrina, thanks. More on this now. Speaking of conversations with the U.S. government, there's at least one senator who is calling for the U.S. to retaliate against Canada following the USMCA dispute panel decision.
4: This decision is a huge loss for American farmers. That's
0: Iowa Republican Chuck Grassley who says that opening Canada's restrictive dairy market to more U.S. products was a key reason for negotiating USMCA.
4: And I think we had 89 senators vote for the USMCA, and it was because of its potential to expand dairy market access to Canada. And it's disappointing the Biden administration could not do more during the dispute panel to show how these quotas harm our farmers. And in violation of the USMCA.
0: But now that the US has lost its fight over Canada's tariff rate quota system that unfairly favors Canadian producers, Grassley was asked if USMCA is worth the paper it's written on. Yes,
4: but uh, it depends on whether the administration is willing to take counteraction against uh, some product coming from canada to show our dislike for it and i don't know if they're willing
0: to do that at the american farm bureau senior director of government affairs dave salmonson is not ready to give up on usmca
4: the plus side is we have continued mostly tariff free trade and that trade continues on a daily basis so that's the big plus but along with trade you get trade problems and we've got uh This problem with dairy.
0: Salmonson adds that USMCA has a built-in review mechanism that calls for a refresh in 2026 when he expects the U.S. dairy industry to again raise the Canadian quota issue. Meanwhile, there's another issue for a USMCA dispute panel to consider between the U.S. and Mexico. They could rule late next year on the U.S. case against Mexico's decree against GMO yellow corn which Salmonson says was put off while Mexico looks for alternatives. Ryan Martin's Indiana farm forecast coming up in just moments here on Hoosier Ag this week and more farm news including two Indiana co-ops that are looking to merge. But right now it's time to take a look at the grain markets and for that I welcome in Andy Eubank.
5: Thank you Eric. It was a mixed day of trade on Friday and mixed throughout the week as well. Settlements on the way. We begin with market analysis. I checked in in the middle of the trading day with brian basting for that brian with advanced trading south american weather brian continues to be an issue and it looks like some rains will hit some areas that need it in center west brazil so the bean market on friday yet again lower and it's been a mostly lower week throughout for soybean futures talk about what you see there
4: yeah it is a weather market andy as we enter this first part of december here Um we were looking at a year we haven't seen for quite a while here where there is some legitimate concerns in Brazil. Too much rain in the south, uh, not enough rain in some areas of the north. I don't want to give your listeners the impression it's a catastrophic situation. It is not at this point, but it is enough to keep the market on edge um, in the context of world uh, tight stock situation and so forth. So weather market, uh, a lot of those beans, Andy, in the north are in the pod set, pod fill stage. Uh, some very, very, very early harvest is taking place, but far and away, the next three weeks in Mato Grosso, for example, will be pod set, pod fill. Your listeners know how important that is in August in the Midwest, and that's where they are there. And they'll stretch that into January for the uh, central and the south, more so the, the southern states. So, uh, But, yeah, weather market, um, more rain, as you said, in the forecast here. Um, and we'll see, we'll see going forward what that looks like.
5: And those forecasts do change, and there are also some disagreements day to day on the forecast. Is that correct? And is that really affecting the market reaction?
4: Yeah, you summarize that well. All of us kind of have to dust off our memories here and recall what we went through this summer back there in June in the Midwest, how dry it got, and how how volatile the market got it does provide opportunities you know weather markets can provide really good opportunities from a producer
5: side brian basting economist at advanced trading his number is 309-664-2314 settlements from friday trade up two cents march corn 484 and three quarters and may 496 and three quarters up a penny and three quarters in beans, January thirteen twenty-five, a loss of seventeen and three quarters, and March down sixteen and three quarters, going to thirteen forty-five and a half. Over a nickel bounce on the December wheat contract. March wheat six oh two and three quarters, up four and three quarters. February live cattle one sixty-nine twelve, down two dollars and seventy cents, and February lean hogs seventy dollars and ten cents, going one thirty-seven lower. There's much more still to come. I'm Andy Eubank. This is Who's Your Ag This Week. For many of
0: you here in Indiana, agriculture is your life's work and legacy. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Throughout my career, I've been immersed in Indiana agriculture and appreciate the role that ACI plays on behalf of Indiana agribusinesses. ACI is the proactive voice for agribusiness and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website inagribiz.org to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness.
6: Cool and a bit unsettled for this weekend i 'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with hoosier act today 's weekend weather outlook. We had some significant rains move through the Hoosier state yesterday and now behind it we're a little bit cooler but we're also unsettled. I think for your Saturday here we don 't see much mixed clouds and sunshine, but more clouds and sun maybe at times. Tomorrow, yeah, I think moisture is coming back. Actually, we could see a moisture pop up overnight tonight through tomorrow. See an additional few hundreds to few tenths with coverage around 50 to 60% of the Hoosier State. So not as solid of moisture as what we just got done with yesterday. But still, not drying at all. If you still have some corn in the field, that's something that you need to pay attention to. Next week is going to be quite the roller coaster ride. You've heard us talk about well above normal temperatures already, um, but they're coming. Before they get here, We're going to have to deal with some cool temperatures to start the week. Monday, Tuesday, and I think even Wednesday, we're going to be a little bit on the cool side. Now, Monday, mixed clouds and sun is what we can expect. I won't rule out some hit and miss scattered moisture. More in central and southern Indiana than the north, but let's not split hairs too much. It's just one of those days, kind of unsettled. Tuesday, got an upper-level low trying to track very quickly through the upper midwest and great lakes we'll feel the effects of that in the form of cloud cover and maybe a few spits or sprinkles but nothing again super well organized and you may end up with more lake enhancement than anything else late to tuesday into early wednesday strong north flow is in here for most of wednesday that keeps us chilly but once we get on the back side of that circulation what's happening Well, we see winds turn to the south, and that's going to dramatically warm us for Thursday, Friday, and on through the weekend. Temperatures 15 to maybe 20 degrees above normal for this time of year. Very impressive warmth here, and all that happens on a dry note. However, once we get late next weekend, we're starting to see a couple of things come together. One, a monster system back in the Four Corners region. And second, cold air sagging southward in the plains, clashing with that super warm air, starts to give us some hit-and-miss scattered moisture coming out of Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Uh, Getting into Illinois. So I think by mid to late day on Sunday, we'll start to see some moisture trying to push into southern parts of Indiana. And then overnight Sunday night through Monday, we're going to be watching some rain try and move in from the southwest. Scattered showers to start. But I do want to point out this is a major system coming out of the southwestern United States. is gonna, I think, hook right on up into the eastern Corn Belt early parts of the week of the 11th. So late the 11th or into the early 12th timeframe, we'll be seeing rain, potentially a few thunderstorms, but moisture totals anywhere from a quarter to maybe an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Staying informed on the markets, the weather, and world events has always been important to those of us in agriculture today, staying informed is critical. But now it's easier than ever. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app puts up-to-the-minute information in the palm of your hand 24 hours a day. Download the free Hoosier Ag Today app for your mobile device at the Apple Store, Google Play, or at hoosieragtoday.com. If you are looking for the
0: latest news and information on Indiana's most important business sector, you found the right place. This is Hoosier Ag This Week. From Hoosier Ag Today, hi there, I'm Eric Pfeiffer. There are many unknowns in farming, many leading to legitimate fears about business sustainability for your farming operation. What are your biggest concerns for the farm? Purdue Research is showing an interesting trend.
7: People have consistently told us that their biggest concern is the risk of high input prices or or rising input prices.
0: That's Dr. Jim Minter, director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, who finds that to be very interesting. He says if you really think about the last 30 to 40 years, farmers have tended to be more concerned about the risk of lower crop and livestock prices. But as you heard, his Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, a monthly survey of producers,
7: tells a different story. I think sometimes, you know, we kind of think, well, the economy's opened back up, COVID's over, Um, but I think from an agricultural producer perspective, things aren't quite back to normal. People are worried about things that historically were not at top of mind,
0: and that's really influenced their their sentiment and their outlook. Things like the risk of rising interest rates as well. The rise in fertilizer prices started this trend, but those prices look better than they did 12 months ago.
7: It is true that's a a much better picture than 12 months ago, and I think people are going to be glad of that when they're um, doing some of their year-end purchases that as we typically do in, in much of agriculture. But it's still elevated, and if you look at all the other inputs, they're actually still up, even compared to last year, and last year was already an elevated level. So if you look at it from a little broader perspective, you know the real issue is what are the break-even levels for corn and soybeans, and they are much higher than they were
0: before the pandemic started. This, among other important topics, will be discussed on January 5th at their Top Farmer Conference, You can attend in person in West Lafayette or remotely. Details on how to get registered can be found at whosyouragtoday.com. Since we're on this topic of the ag economy, let's stay there for a moment. Now, USDA has been telling us for months now that farm income for 2023 will be lower than 2022. But just how bad will it be? Their latest farm income forecast report shows a slightly brighter picture than their August predictions. But Farm Bureau economist Danny Munch says it's still a significant drop.
3: In the August reports, USDA forecasted that farm income from twenty twenty two would drop twenty three percent, a forty one billion drop from twenty twenty two. In this new November report, they adjusted that number forty one billion to thirty one point eight billion, which is a seventeen percent drop from twenty twenty two. In total, that would give you a total net farm income of $151 billion for 2023 compared to the $141 billion estimated previously in August. Munch
0: discusses some of the main factors behind the revisions.
3: The most significant revisions are attributable to lower production expenses compared to what they estimated in August. There's still a $14.9 billion expected increase in what farmers are paying for production expenses, which is about 4%, but that's 7% lower than what they forecasted in the August release.
0: Munch says there is some good news about the forecast.
3: For all categories except fuels and oils, electricity and interest expenses, uh, they adjusted their numbers downward. Things like fertilizer, pesticides, seeds, those all saw decreases from what they estimated that farmers would be paying. But there's some bad news
0: too. Electricity, fuels, oils, interest expenses, those all saw increases in this latest report. So those are things farmers are going to have to pay more for in 2023 than what they estimated previously. For more information, you should visit fb.org. There have been a lot of rumors swirling after a report said that Bayer would be splitting off its crop science division, but a spokesperson says it's just that, a rumor. Here's Sabrina Halverson.
2: Rumors about a possible spinoff of Bear's Crop Sciences Division were kicked up once again after an ag magazine printed an online article speculating on the topic. However, speaking at an expo in Fargo, North Dakota this week, a Bear spokesperson set the record straight.
8: There was some ag trade media that published some stories on whether Bear was going to be uh, split off, whether we were going to be spun off, sold, all those kind of things. Uh, those were a repackage of, you, if you will, uh, previous comments that our new CEO has made.
2: Brent Boydston is the corn, cereal grains, digital agriculture, and carbon lead at Bayer Crop Science. He was a speaker at the North Dakota Agricultural Association Agribusiness Expo, and while taking questions from the audience, he addressed the speculation. He explained that a new CEO was hired this year following the retirement of the previous CEO. During an early meeting with investors, the new CEO, Bill Anderson, was asked about spinning off divisions. His answer was that he was going to look at everything and evaluate where everything was at. Boydston said Anderson is currently working on implementing a new management structure.
8: He's dedicated to getting that through the process and then likely reevaluating things then. But right now, Everything that I've seen, everything that I've heard says that bear's going to stay one company. We're going to be consumer, we're going to be crop science, and we're going to be health.
2: I'm Sabrina Halverson.
0: All right, Sabrina, thanks. When confronted with the need to change, we can get what some might call the yips. But Andy Eubank is here to detail a change that farmers should be receptive to. Andy? If you have
5: worked this year and in the past with specialty hybrids or Stewart Seeds and you liked the seed and your rep, even with changes next year as those brands move to the channel umbrella, you can continue the existing relationship. Chris Smith is area business manager at Channel.
9: If there was a specialty dealer or a Stewart dealer that wants to continue into this new channel brand, we're encouraging them. We we want them to continue. uh, Those customers are going to continue to be able to buy from that that person. Uh, Same deal with their uh, field sales representative that that covers those uh, those dealers or Legacy seedsmen. we are keeping all those relationships intact. So we're not rearranging territories or anything like that. Uh, you know that's that's our intention anyway across the countryside so if they had somebody they really enjoy working with that's going to continue into 24 and beyond
5: earlier this year channel announced they'll be taking their 10 regional brands and the legacy channel brand to form the new channel with 11 combined brands it means more products in the portfolio and they're also adding more technical agronomists out in the field
9: we know as this thing goes along and we add more of these products the need to have that expertise of placing those products and you know know understanding the different environments is going to be needed as well so we're adding more technical agronomists that's also going to free up our uh, seed dealers from a specialty steward legacy channel standpoint to be out there even more as, as well and providing that that expertise.
5: Smith says farmers will benefit from having even better products to consider for their field.
9: We always get you know complimented on our products from either Side of those brands, but we're going to bring those together and have an even better portfolio, deeper portfolio that is specific to their area uh, going forward.
5: Across the Midwest in 2023, Smith says their products performed well, often providing outstanding yields in the many areas that
0: missed rains when they were needed most. I'm Andy Eubank. Thank you, Andy. And some other big news impacting Indiana farmers this week Indiana based farmer owned cooperatives, Co Alliance, and Series Solutions announced on Wednesday an agreement to pursue a merger the co-op spent the past three months in a due diligence period to better understand the potential synergies of a combined organization and after reviewing that the boards of directors of both co-ops have unanimously approved a member vote for the merger read more on this and find other farm news at hoosieragtoday.com more Hoosierag this week coming
6: up next every farm needs a good set of hand tools well, here's one that's free and one you'll find yourself reaching for several times a day. The new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app, with markets, weather, and breaking farm news, along with the daily Hoosier Ag Today podcast on your mobile device 24 7. Download the Hoosier Ag Today mobile app from the Apple Store or Google Play. The Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. Add it to your toolbox today.
0: Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. USDA released its farm labor survey last month, and the news isn't good for agriculture. Farmers who hire H-2A laborers next year will be paying higher wages, and in some cases the increase is quite large. Veronica Nye, senior economist with Farm Bureau, talks about the increasing costs of
10: farm labor. USDA's farm labor survey told us that wage rates across the United States, in all states in all regions increased in 2023. The Farm Labor Survey tells us that in 2024, farmers in 13 states will pay more than a dollar more per hour to their H-2A employees than they did this year. Farmers in 31 states will pay between 50 cents and a dollar more. Only in six states is the increase for next year less than 50 cents. She
0: explains why this is a very important survey for production agriculture.
10: USDA's Farm Labor Survey is utilized by the Department of Labor to establish the adverse effect wage rates that growers must pay H-2A workers through the temporary visa program. So these wage rates are really make or break for farmers as to whether or not the wage rates they pay out the H-2-A program, are going to be viable for their business.
0: The survey breaks the information down by region. Indiana is in the Corn Belt 1 region with Illinois and Ohio. The gross wage rate for our region increased $1.04 to eighteen ninety one per hour. Well, it's never too early to start thinking about weed control for next year. Ron Geis, Market Development Specialist for Corteva, continues to encourage a program approach for farmers.
11: Let's start with something down at planting time, near planting time, and then come back with something post-emerge. That way, if Mother Nature throws us a curve and one of those two doesn't quite work up to par, the two of them help complement each other.
0: Geis gives his recommendation for a program approach for corn growers.
11: We like to start with a good foundation of Resicore or Keystone or Sure Start and then follow that post-emerge. And we're kind of excited with a new product that we introduced, Cairo. K-Y-R. RO, and it brings a unique combination of three active ingredients that that you can't find together, providing weed control for 65 weeds and grasses.
0: And Geis says it's a similar approach with soybeans, starting with that good foundation.
11: In your area, we would offer a lot of TriVance and Sonic as that pre-plant application. And then, of course, we're pretty excited because over half of the soybeans in the U.S. are now enlist-enabled. So when we come back post-emerge, we'd have Enlist as a foundation for that post-application.
0: Geist did tease a new residual herbicide to put with the Enlist that's still waiting EPA approval. He says it won't be available for fields this coming year, but he encourages you to keep an eye out for Inversa herbicide in their demo plots and ask about it for 2025. Since the Poet Bioprocessing facility in Putnam County reopened last September, the company says it's been a win, not just for themselves, but for Indiana farmers and the state's ethanol industry. C.J. Miller reports.
8: Recently, we put about $30 million into that plant, providing a market for about 34 million bushels of corn in that area, 50 full-time jobs, producing over 100 million gallons of, of bioethanol. And that's
12: Doug Burvin, vice president of Corporate Affairs for Poet, the facility in Cloverdale was acquired by Poet in 2010, but was idled in 2019 due to a tightening of federal regulations. But the loosening of those regulations a year and a half ago led Poet to reopen the Cloverdale plant.
8: And I think it's a testament to how we see the future, right? We wouldn't be spending this kind of money if we didn't think the, the future was really, really bright. So we're excited about opening that plant. It's bringing a market that farmers there, I think, will appreciate.
12: Another significant role in Poets' decision to reopen the Cloverdale facility has been strong support from Indiana lawmakers for E15, a 15% bioethanol blend.
8: Today, just about every gallon of gasoline in the country has 10% ethanol in it. We want that to be 15% ethanol. And then we want to go higher. And that's very possible because yields are increasing all the time. There's a surplus of grain out there, and that's why you've seen... Prices coming down a little bit, and so we think it's really important to increase our markets for grain, not only in the United States, but around the world. And so E15 is one of those efforts.
12: Bervin says he's proud of the partnership between Poet and Indiana's corn producers.
8: Our company alone buys 7% of the U.S. corn crop. We purchase a billion bushels for our 34 facilities in eight states. But it's not us providing the market for the farmers, it's the farmers providing a product for us. So we work in tandem. We're connected at the hip, farmers and and bioethanol producers. We can't do it without the other one, right? And so we're really excited about the partnership that we have with the farmers out there and uh, we're really excited about the potential of agriculture going forward.
12: He adds that with all the advantages that bioethanol brings, it makes the industry even more attractive for continued
8: growth. So if it wasn't for bioethanol today, you'd be paying probably $4 plus at the gas station Bioethanol reduces the price at the pump for the consumer, provides a market for farmers, improves our environment, and provides energy security.
12: Read more on the new Who's Your Ag Today mobile app, a free download for iPhone and
0: Android. I'm C.J. Miller. And with that, you're now up to date on all things Indiana agriculture. Stay that way by downloading that app C.J. just mentioned, and join us again next weekend. Same hat time, same hat channel. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.